Welcome to Tribe Talk, where we focus on the topics that will help you improve your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. I'm Dr. Elena Villanueva, and helping people improve their mental health is my passion. I'm Ann Hutira, and nutrition is my passion. Together, we invite you to be a part of our tribe and learn how addressing the root causes of your symptoms can bring you improved health and wellness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour of Tribe Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tribe Talk today. I'm Dr. V, and this is Anne, and together we are co-hosting Tribe Talk Live, and we have Dr. Troy Thompson with us today as well. We are so happy to have you all with us today. If you've been following us here on Tribe Talk for the past you know, several weeks, month or so, we've been focusing a lot on talking about coronavirus and COVID and a lot of the things that are being done across the country. And you know, last week we are last week, I should say earlier this week on Tuesday, we talked about some of the latest research um, and we talked about the importance of addressing your underlying health conditions and addressing chronic disease. And so we thought today it would be a good idea to go into how you get started on turning around um, some of these issues of chronic disease. And so we have put together some case studies of our own clients, people that we've worked with ourselves. And, and all of these clients we're gonna talk about today have seen some really incredible results as they've worked to address their chronic disease and to turn their health around. So we're gonna share those with you here shortly and, and talk a little bit about how you can get started on the same type of journey, how you can get started um, and, and address these different types of chronic disease. And um, Dr. Tori, I'm gonna ask you to chime in here. We see um, the clients that come to us, you know, looking to get healthier and looking to turn some of these things around. We see clients with all different types of issues, right? Yeah, we see, we see all sorts of different issues with these different clients. And, um, you know, we see, I mean, everything from infections to depression, anxiety. But what's interesting is really you dive into it and a lot of these root causes are very similar. Um, you dig in and it's, it's infection-based, you know, toxicity-based. So we see a lot of these different root causes, but, you know, we do see a wide variety of these cases. And some of them are cases that, you know, you see a very good, you know, turnaround with no real hiccups in the road. And other people have a little bit more of a difficult journey. And that's something that I think anyone that's had a chronic illness or chronic, you know, symptoms has to, you know, really understand is it's not always that, you know, real easy answer and you, you, you have no, no hiccups. And so I know Dr. V and myself both in our healing journeys had many ups and many downs and many of the clients that we work with, um, you know, have, have little things and it allows us to tweak protocols and, and just make it a little bit more personalized for them. Yeah. As you're going to see from a lot of these cases, we're going to show you today, you know, sometimes it takes months to start to see some changes, but sometimes those changes can also happen really fast. And that's exciting when we see, you know, someone with these positive changes, you know, right off the bat. Um, and so again, we want to thank you all for joining today. We want to remind you that we have 
um, a part of Tribe Talk toward the end where we're going to do question and answer. So if you see something that we're talking about today or hear something and want some clarification, just jump into the chat box on the bottom, type your questions in there, and, and we'll get to everybody's questions, you know, before today's session is over. Excellent. Um, we've got uh, some little treats for you today, and we're going to be going through some case studies so that we can show you um, some of the turnarounds that you can have when you make, uh, you know, some different changes to your lifestyle and your foods um, and how working with coaches who know what they're doing can actually, you know, really, really help you to make a turnaround because so many people are uh, concerned about these comorbidities and how it will make them more vulnerable to, uh, you know, getting the, the, uh, these really, really bad reactions to the coronavirus. Um, and so remember that the majority of people are not having anything, you know, they're not really having symptoms. So, you know, you can have the coronavirus and never develop COVID, okay? So, you know, we just want to make sure that we understand the terminology there. Um, but then there's a very small percentage of people, um, you know, who will have symptoms. And those symptoms can range anything from feeling like a cold to feeling like a flu to the really, really bad symptoms where they're like hypoxic and they're not breathing well. Um, and so, you know, for, for those of you who are uh, wondering, you know, how can I get rid of these comorbidities? You know, where these comorbidities, a lot of them are chronic diseases that are very common. They're super prevalent, um, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Um, you know, many people feel that they're, or they don't know that these chronic diseases can, are actually reversible. Um, just about every chronic disease out there is reversible. So if you've been told that you just have to take this medicine and go home and you're, you have to suffer with this chronic disease, you know, the, uh, that's just simply not true. Um, and so we're, and we're, so we're going to take you through a, a few case studies today so that you can see how these things can be changed. The best things that you can do for yourself is, is to um, identify, you know, what you know, what is going on with you. Um, and if you've already been diagnosed with a chronic disease like uh, type two diabetes or Crohn's or something like that, um, know that that stuff is totally reversible and, and, and you, can, you can get yourself out of that chronic disease state so that uh, you are more resilient with your immune function so that you don't have to be that, you know, 0.1% of the people that um, are at higher risk. Absolutely. So I'm going to share my screen here, Dr. V, and we'll get started and going through some of these, uh, some of these case studies. And uh, let's see, can everybody see that? Okay, can you guys see that? All right. Now this was a this was a 48 year old woman who came to us, and she had a history of high cholesterol. And Dr. Tori, you actually worked. Uh, very closely with her. She was in one of our six-month programs at the time. Um, tell us a little bit about what we found in her labs and how we got her started. Yeah, so this, this woman was your classic, was doing everything right. She was eating a healthy diet. She was, you know, doing everything that people told her to do, and she just wasn't feeling great. She had some gut issues. She would get really bloated. She had a lot of brain fog, 
And she just kind of felt like she was spacey. She had a young daughter and she felt like she just wasn't able to kind of keep up with her. So we found with her that she had, um, you know, some candida was probably one of her biggest symptoms. Her candida levels were off the charts. One of the highest I've, I've seen yet. Um, we found uh, she wasn't methylating. We found her vitamin D was low. We found that she had um, really high iron and some um, lipid or triglyceride and cholesterol issues. So nothing jumped out. I mean, aside from the candida, nothing jumped out as like, you know, this huge thing. But as we dug in, we got, you know, some some symptoms that flared up. And as you can see in this picture below, she was one of those people that had candida die off through her skin. And so when we pulled out sugar and we pulled out, she was a big fruit smoothie person. We, we really cut back on that. She started to have really bad die off symptoms and she freaked out. She thought her skin was peeling off and it really was just the candida, you know, coming out through her hands. And once we got through that phase, it was unbelievably amazing to see her results. She had energy, her brain fog was gone, her thyroid was functioning more optimally, her iron came down. I mean, it was just amazing to see her transformation. Yeah, and one of the things, um, you know, that we did with her that uh, she found that was different or that she learned actually working with us is how important that it was in her case to prepare her body for the candida detox. To get that candida out, uh, we needed to first do some preparation. And by looking at her, at her lab work, at her blood work, which you could see just a small section of that on the left here, when we saw that her iron was very, very high, um, you know, there can be different reasons for that. Um, but whenever we see that, one of the common reasons that that can be is because uh, the liver is not dumping toxins. So the liver is very congested. And as we uh, open up detox pathways, we oftentimes will see the body will flush out the excess um, iron. It will flush out the excess cholesterol. It'll flush out a lot of the toxins out. If she had tried a candida uh, protocol before opening her detox pathways, it really could have caused her a lot of a lot of problems. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can see looking from the left to the right, you can see that with the blood follow-up that was done, you know, only about three months after we started with her, we could see that, um, you know, she, she definitely had some changes. Her cholesterol was down, for example, from 214 to 166. Um, the triglycerides were down from, you know, 69 to 49. Her LDL went from 123 to 94, right? So you can see, uh, you know, and even her iron dropped significantly from 281, which is, that's a toxic load on the body. And that's a toxic load on the liver. Like we don't want the iron too low, but we certainly don't want it that high either. And within 90 days, it dropped from 281 down to 81. Why? Because we understood how to open up her detox pathways and get her body ready to eliminate these toxins. And I think you made a really good point there. You know, a lot of, a lot of people when they, you know, there's an order to doing these things. You know, if a lot of people find out they have candida, you know, I've heard people, you know, run down to their vitamin shop and buy one of those candida cleanse. We you know one of those packs with all the supplements and start on that right away. And then, and then things get worse. 
And it's because they didn't open those detox pathways and prepare the body to actually clear some of this infection. And we talk about that all the time, but that's such an important thing to do is to make sure you do these things in the right order or else you're not going to get the benefits that you could be getting from some of these supplements. Yeah, and the candida really can cause a big inhibition or lowering of the immune system. And so, you know, now that she's corrected these issues, she has not uh, gone down the pathway of spiraling into bigger issues and chronic disease, right? And so she has a very resilient immune system now, and you know she is a really good example of someone who fixed some of her chronic issues and now doesn't have to be fearful that you know that that she may like for example fall into that you know one that you know one percent of people who can have big reactions to different kinds of infections and you know dr v candida is one of those just to real quick candida is one of those that issues that we see is very common as an underlying you know, one of the underlying issues for a multitude of other problems, you know, from thyroid issues to gut issues, you know, a lot of, a lot of these people who suffer from those things do have some form of candida overgrowth along with other things like toxins and, and possibly mold and all these other things. But candida is something that we see so, so common in people. Absolutely. And, and we also uh, like to teach people, I'll just come back to the slide here for a second, since we're still talking about candida, but um, you know, many people will come to us and say, I have candida. I need to work on my candida. I, I think it's the cause of, you know, all 30 symptoms that I have. Um, but when we dig a little bit deeper, we always find that there are bigger issues going on and those issues are what is actually allowing the candida to grow out of control. We all have some amount of candida in our body, but the body keeps it in balance. And if the body gets too sick inside or there's too many different toxins or other infections involved, that's where candida can start to really overgrow. And so going after candida first is usually in most cases, not what's required to actually get the candida under control. We've got to figure out what's allowing the candida to overgrow. Wonderful. Right, let's go into this one. This is a great one. Yeah, this one is really good. So this was, um, this was a 60 year old woman who came to us and she had a long history of diabetes. She had been on and off of prescription meds with her doctor for years. Um, she also had high cholesterol and she came to us because she really wanted to do things the, you know, the holistic way. She wanted to not be stuck taking medication for the rest of her life. And so she came to us with that goal in mind. And, you know, we really saw some incredible changes in her in just one month. And Dr. B, you're gonna go over these two labs, but we just have to emphasize that this is, this is one month between these changes here you're about to see. Yes, um, don't ever be fooled and think that, you know, that if you have type two diabetes or high cholesterol, that it's gonna take you, you know, a year to lower this. We have seen hundreds of times, literally, that uh, you know, we can pull people's uh, um, blood sugar and A1C levels down, pull their lipids down, get their inflammation down. You know, some of these things that are you know really critical to people's health that we're able to uh, you know put them in, on the right regimen and on the right track, where within 
you know, within 30 to 90 days, uh, they have these issues back under control and they're completely off their medications. It doesn't take long in many cases. So, you know, as you can see here, um, Eileen had very, very high glucose. It was 248. We want to see that like under 100. We don't want to see it that high. Like really, we want to see it, you know, between like 85 and 95, like somewhere right in there. We don't want to see it that high. That's very, very dangerous. Um, and her hemoglobin A1C, that gives us a longer, sh a longer shot. In other words, like it, it lets us see how her body is utilizing or not utilizing her blood sugar over a period of time. So like where the blood sugar can literally change in five minutes or 10 minutes, right? Um, the hemoglobin A1C, um, that's, that's showing us kind of what's happening overall over a bigger course of time. And that's the marker that a lot of the doctors will use in conjunction with the glucose uh, so that they can um, see how that person is able or not able to utilize their blood sugars. And um, so as you can see, you know, this is very um, uh, typical of a type two diabetic the glucose was very high and the hemoglobin A1C was very, very high as well. If we scroll down a little bit further, you can see that the cholesterol was very, very high at 268. The triglycerides were 190. LDL was 181. So, you know, these numbers were just, you know, not good. We made some amazing improvements with her in only 30 days. Now, we weren't finished with her at 30 days, but I wanna show you what we can do in just 30 days uh, using plant-based uh, uh, approaches. So, you know, using uh, food-based detox, for example, um, changing some of the lifestyle and, um, and, and, and exercise regimens. And you know, with this individual, she, she wasn't exercising. We just got her to go out and walk for an hour a day. Just get outside and walk, right? And so we also made sure that we addressed some of her vitamin and mineral deficiencies because remember your body is a biochemistry factory and your body needs these different ingredients to pull from the pantry so that it can do what it needs to do. And, uh, but take a look here, glucose 248, one month later, it was down from 248 to 120. That was more than a 100 point drop in her glucose. That's huge, huge. Um, if you take a look at her cholesterol, you can see that her cholesterol went from 268 to 193. That's almost a 100 point drop, guys. That's massive. The triglycerides went from 190 to 107. And the LDL went from 181 to 120. Um, she was off of her diabetic meds. She was able to go back to her doctor. Uh, in fact, she had to go back. Uh, whenever we work with people that have the chronic disease that is called type 2 diabetes, um, you know, we see their blood sugar and their A1C levels drop very quickly. And we have them monitoring those. Like twice, twice a day, they're monitoring the blood sugar levels. And, um, and we teach them, you know, to really monitor that so that they can call their doctor and say, hey, my blood sugars are going down. 
I need to lower my medication. And then the doctors can lower the medication accordingly. And usually within 90 days, um, even if an individual is on three diabetic meds, they're usually off of their medications within that time. So that's really, really, it, you know, that's always very inspiring for people to hear that. Absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to add that Eileen, Eileen did a lot of work um, on her lifestyle, you know, before she was not exercising. And like you said, yeah, she added in just walking to get started with, but then she realized that she really enjoyed her time getting out and walking and she loved being outside. And that became, you know, that became something that she did on a daily basis. And so she really started, you know, instituting some really good habits that she stuck with. And, and, and talking about food, you know, we did a lot of work with her diet and we tried a lot of different things to see what worked for her. But during that process, you know, she took a really hard look at her relationship with food and she realized that, you know, for all these years she was using food as comfort. You know, she was eating all these foods that were, you know, making her type two diabetes worse because she was using those foods to compensate for stress and emotional issues that she was going with. And so she did a lot of hard work when it came to diet. She addressed these different things. She realized how she was using food and it was, it was making things worse. And, and, you know, her addressing those things is what gave her, you know, the lasting benefit. Like you have to do that work. You have to get in there and really pick apart your food lifestyle and what you're eating and why you're eating and what foods you're using as comfort and when you stress eat, when you emotional eat. You have to address all these things if you're really going to change your diet, you know, permanently and see some positive changes. And she did that work and, and, and you know, it gave her the results that she wanted. Exactly. And, uh, you know, not only not only did she, you know, come to us for these particular issues here, but um, it's very, very common when people are having, you know, this combination of issues that they're having a lot of brain fog, memory loss, they're losing their words. And uh, she was concerned about that. And she thought that a lot of it was mostly, you know, having to do with her age. But when we explained to her that the high, the chronic high blood sugar like that uh, leads you, leads people right into having neurodegeneration or brain degeneration type diseases um, and that and that by getting your diabetes under control or rather reversing it right because you can reverse this uh, so that you don't have it anymore that's going to uh, you know take you in a different direction so that you're not continu continuing to head right in the direction of you know dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that and so super super important to know High blood sugar causes so many other problems in your body. High blood sugar causes massive inflammation in your blood vessels, uh, which can lead to you know, clotting and strokes. Um, it can lead to massive, it does lead to massive inflammation all over your entire body, including your joints. It's gonna make your body hurt. It's gonna, you know, it's, it's gonna make you feel like look puffy. Um, and it's causing a lot of damage and inflammation to your brain. And it's damaging the blood brain barrier causing leaky brain. So super, super important that she was able to get this back, you know, uh, that she was able to normalize her, her, her blood sugar response again, uh, which in turn, you know, warded off a whole bunch of other problems later on in her life. Absolutely. And while we're talking about cholesterol, we have a question that came in from Sarah and she's asking, 
went on a medication for say cholesterol that quote unquote controls the problem, how can the improvements be seen from a blood test? Can you read that one more time? Sure. I'm sorry. Sure. So when someone is on a medication for say cholesterol that controls the problem, how can the improvements be seen from a blood test? So I guess when oh. someone is on a cholesterol medication because they have high cholesterol, how can you monitor the labs to see if you're actually seeing any improvements if you're on the medication to lower oh. your cholesterol? Well, you just do the labs. So let's say that your cholesterol comes in at 300 and your triglycerides are 400 and you're, you know, like all your cholesterol levels are really high and your doctor decides that he wants to put you on cholesterol medications. Then you'll get on the medications and the doctor should be rechecking those, uh, those, all those lipid panels usually every 90 days, you know? Um, uh, and so you just take a look and see, you can take a look at the labs and your doctor should be doing that to take a look to see how it's working for you. Now keep in mind that cholesterol medications have a lot of really bad side effects. Cholesterol medications actually stop the production of cholesterol in your body and cholesterol is necessary. You will die without cholesterol. You have to have it. It's not a bad thing. And we've all been taught that cholesterol is bad or if it get, you know, and so, but that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. You have to have cholesterol to maintain a healthy immune system. You have to have cholesterol for proper brain function. You have to have cholesterol for brain and neurological repair. And you have to have cholesterol to make your hormones like testosterone and progesterone. You know, so if you don't have cholesterol in your body or you're taking a medication like to stop the production of cholesterol, that could be very, very harmful to you. In fact, there are many, many studies out there that show a lot of neurological changes in particularly in men who are on cholesterol medicines where they start becoming very aggressive. There are many cases of road rage that happen with, um, with men in particular who are on cholesterol medications. We see a lot of cases of erectile dysfunction with men who have gotten on these cholesterol medications and a decrease in testosterone as well. But what their doctor doesn't tell them is like, oh, you know, your testosterone has gone down because you're on these medications. What the doctor will say is, oh, your testosterone has gone down. Let's put you on some testosterone now. I mean, that's not the answer. You know, when you know that you can get your cholesterol down without taking a dangerous medication, then I think that that's probably the better way to go. But yes, if you are on cholesterol medication, you just go and have your lipid panel run and take a look at those numbers and see if it's working for you. And, and remember, for Eileen, she was on medication when she started. So that, whatever her triglycerides were and total cholesterol, that was on medication. So you can run it the next month and you see that, that decrease. It wasn't the medication. It was the lifestyle changes because we, we had her whole baseline was on medication. Exactly. And so with someone like Eileen, what, what we would do, um, correct me if this is wrong, but they come to us if they're on cholesterol meds, but we start them on these big changes, the food and the lifestyle changes. They need to continuously have their cholesterol checked every month because as that lowers, they should be seeing their doctor to reduce that dosage of cholesterol medication and then eventually when the time is right get off of that medication but that's something that has to be constantly monitored to make sure that med medication isn't lowering their cholesterol too much exactly exactly all great. right great question from sarah 
That's a great question. Um, yeah, we talked around that for a good five minutes. Um, so I just, can you see the screen? Did I share it yet? Um, you're off of share, so you can reshare again. We should be on, um, let's see, our next, our next, um, that is Eileen. So our, our next case study is a 45 year old and she's actually still one of our clients. We're still working with her. She came to us also with a very long history of diabetes and obesity. She had gained a lot of weight while, while dealing with diabetes. And, um, you know, we found a lot with her. We found a lot of t environmental toxins. We found infection and all of that was kind of feeding into her inability to really control her type two diabetes. Exactly. And, um, you know, she, she had such uh, big issues with systemic inflammation. Um, she was always getting sick all the time. Her immune system was just, you know, not doing well at all. And, um, and so we started working with her the same way that we worked with the last client. We started making changes to her foods, uh, changes to her lifestyle. And we started addressing some of these, you know, different uh, factors that we found as, you know, as many people know, we do a lot of different lab testing. Uh, what we're showing you here is just a snapshot of, of one lab when in fact we probably ordered like 20 different labs with her to take a look at everything that was going on from her genetics to gut function to, you know, uh, food sensitivities to, you know, stool test, heavy metals, environmental toxins. Uh, we, you know, we were looking at all kinds of stuff with her, but uh, we just wanted just to dial in with this because this is somebody who used to get sick all the time and uh, she's not having that problem now. And, and, you know, she, she was getting sick all the time because her body wasn't working properly. She had a lot of inflammation. Um, her mitochondrial function wasn't working well. Her blood glucose, you know, mechanism was not working right. But we just wanted to show you, um, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, of about a year of working with her and, and you know, where she is now. Um, we got her we got her blood glucose and her hemoglobin A1C and her inflammatory markers down very, very quickly. So it was within the 90 days. But I wanna show you where she is a year later. So she tracks her uh, blood sugar every single day. And you can see on the right that, you know, she's consistently, um, you know, in the 90s. So, I mean, she's doing very, very well compared to where she was before. She's lost a, a really good amount of weight and you know her life has really really turned around let's see i think we have another slide to show with uh kathy's case study here um here are her original labs on the left showing her c-reactive protein so the c-reactive protein that's an inflammatory marker and um many doctors don't check this as a standard you know uh something to check they only uh, consider it medically necessary to check CRP if they're, you know, thinking that there may be a problem with, you know, potential heart issues or something like that. Um, because, you know, it, uh, they will say, well, you know, if, if C-reactive protein is high, that can cause, you know, heart attack. Well, the reality is that if C-reactive protein is high, it can cause a lot of problems, not just problems with your heart. If your C-reactive protein is this high, this is a systemic inflammatory marker. So when you see it this high, 
like this is going to cause problems in your entire body. Like your entire body is so inflamed. It's like on fire. And so is your brain. Everything's on fire inside your body. It's really, really bad. Um, so take a look from 327.19 when she was at 18 to July, just a few months later, it was down to 1.1. Now we optimally wanna see C-reactive protein less than one, but we were like high-fiving over this because this happened very, very quickly. We were able to bring the inflammation down. She was doing a lot of things with her diet that she didn't realize was causing an extreme amount of inflammation to her body. So once we made those changes, it allowed her body to start healing itself. So uh, yeah, really, this is a wonderful case study. And I think we've got, we have one more slide for her, yeah. So um, Anne, do you wanna go over this? Yeah, so so this is a look at, at Kathy's history. And we do this for all of our clients that we work with to, to give them a visual of how their symptoms have changed over time. So you'll see here on the left, you know, when toward the beginning of when she started with us, we've listed all of her symptoms she was having there, you know, anxiety, depression, she couldn't lose weight, she had brain fog, fatigue, and on and on. She had a lot of different symptoms. And so she, we get, a, we have our clients give us a number value on a scale of one to 10 on how those symptoms are presenting at that moment. And then we check in with them every month and we update their symptom sheet. And so you can see over time, you know, she started in the red and orange on a lot of these symptoms and, and her latest check-in with us, a lot of these are down to ones and twos and threes, which we wanna see green, you know, lighting this thing up. That's what we like to see. And you can see here her weight loss, you know, she, she was very much overweight and she was having a really hard time losing weight. Um, she was over 350 when she started. She is now continuously losing weight. She's down to, I think she's even lower, a little bit lower than this right now. Um, but she's close to 300, so she's lost almost 50 pounds. And, and you know, she's a completely different person now. The last time I talked to Kathy, you know, she had set up a picture of her and her husband in a frame. Um, from when they were younger, you know, close, closely after they got married. And that's her goal because she wants to be back at her, at her weight when her, and her husband got married. And, and, you know, she, she told me that, you know, the past several years, she just didn't really have much hope for where she was going with her life. She, she wasn't looking forward to anything. She didn't feel like she could really travel. She couldn't, she couldn't you know, go hiking and do all those types of things. But now her and her husband are planning a big anniversary trip um, later this year. And you know, she's a completely different person now. She knows she has a long way to go still. And you know, like we've said, some people's journey to get healthy is longer than a year. For some people, it's several years, and she knows she has more work to do, but she's made changes she didn't think she could. And so she's really built that confidence in herself. And I know she's an inspiration to all of us. She shares things on our, on our Facebook group from time to time. And um, it's really inspiring to see how her mindset has changed and how she now has hope for the future and is making plans to go out and see all these places she wants to see and go hiking. And she's riding a bike again, which she said she hadn't done in years and years. And so it's really wonderful when we see these changes, you know, with our clients. She told me this week that uh, recently she was riding her bike uh, uh, twice 
during the day. She went for a ride and then came back and, and she felt a little bit tired, but she said, I recovered. And then like, I was ready to go ride again a couple of hours later. She said, it was really, it was really awesome. Super, super great to see. Absolutely. And what, and what I love about Kathy's story is that she recognized that there were a lot of different things that she needed to address. She worked with our psychology mindset coach, Rosita, to address a lot of traumas from her past and to help, you know, reestablish new ways of thinking. She put so much work into that and she realizes that that was such a huge part of her getting to where she is now. And then adding in all the exercise and doing all the work she's done on her diet. I mean, it's been, it's been so much work for her, but she sees the benefits of it now. Yeah, it's really, really inspiring. And, and I hope that, that all of you watching this are feeling, you know, inspired um, and uh, empowered, you know, knowing that you really can, you know, get a lot of your health, health issues under control and you can reverse them. You do not have to own whatever diagnosis that you've been given. Um, here is another case study that we have, a 48-year-old female and I want, to, I want to show you her symptom sheet on the right-hand side so that you can see um, you know, where she started. Remember that 10 is the worst and, uh, you know, as far as symptoms. And you could see that uh, you know, she was you know, sevens, eights, nines, and tens when she, when she first started. And um, a lot of the symptoms included depression, anxiety, fatigue, you know, trouble falling and staying asleep, mind racing, brain fog, hair thinning, dry skin, constipation, gut issues. I mean, you name it, hot flashes. She had like everything that you could imagine. She was just feeling absolutely terrible. We did a lot of testing with her and um, we did find, uh, and, and, and again, you know, we would, this would be a two hour, you know, case study to go through every single lab that we did with her. So we just kind of pick and choose which ones that we pull so that you can kind of see a variety of the different things that, that we look at. But we looked at her urinary neurotransmitter test. I mean, I'm sorry, this was not the urinary neurotransmitter. We looked at her genetic testing. And um, in the genetic testing, we did find a couple of variants or SNPs or mutations, whatever you want to call it, those are like interchangeable terms. Um, we did find some in her neurotransmitter genes. And uh, one in particular, the COMT gene that she had a like what we'll just use very simplistic terms and call it a double mutation or a double variant in that. Um, we noticed that she had that. When that gene is malexpressing itself, that can make it difficult for the body to break down dopamine. And so you can end up with a higher dopamine level than is optimal. And when your dopamine gets really high, that can cause a lot of different symptoms from sleep issues to a lot of anxiety, mind racing, trouble sleeping, like a lot of the symptoms that you saw here. And, and, and so, you know, when we, when we cross-checked that with urinary neurotransmitters, we did find that her dopamine levels were in fact higher than optimal, but we also found a lot of other stuff going on. And you know, the good thing with, with the genetics is that we understand how we can uh, manipulate the gene to work for us instead of work against us. And that's the field of epigenetics. That's understanding how these genetic engines are working and what they need to work better. So for example, you know, I'm gonna keep this super simple, right? But you know, I go out and I buy a sports car and I notice it's not like, it's just not 
running very well. I'll hit the gas and it's just kind of like sluggish. It's not working. Well, I start looking under the hood. There's the wrong spark plugs. And then, you know, and then I find out that, that the previous owner wasn't putting the right type of gas in there. So, I mean, the engine cannot, cannot work a high performance like it's designed to. It can't work optimally. So what do I do? I go in and I change out the spark plugs and put the right spark plugs in. I drain the crappy gas out and I put the right gas in. I, so I put the right ingredients in. I give the car what it needs. And now when I step on the gas, it just takes off. The car is running at high performance. And that's what epigenetics does. So, you know, when you have a mutation or a series of mutations in your genes, that is not a determination of of, you, of, of how you're always going to be. And it doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. What it means is let's dig a little bit deeper and let's see how we can get those genetic engines working again. And that's what we did with her. We dug a little deeper. We found what things were not allowing her body to work properly. We started giving the body very precisely what it needed and her symptoms started changing very, very quickly. Um, and then in this next slide here, I'm going to let Dr. Thompson uh, talk about some of the things that we found and some of the things that we did with her to get these changes. Yeah, so right off the bat, you know, diet is so important and we put such a heavy emphasis on diet because we, you'll hear us say, all three of us say time and time again, you can't out supplement a bad diet. So right off the bat, we went in and pulled out all of her junk and processed foods the gluten, the sugar, and got her on a, an organic diet and really emphasized and really emphasized all the foods with her and really emphasized the powerful foods you can use to heal. We found high toxicity in um, from these environmental toxins, things in the water, in cleaning products, and your classic products that people are, you know, are using without thinking twice about your deodorants and makeup, things that you use daily, her toxicity was very, very high. So we had her start switching out all these, you know, environmental toxin producing things, go to a clean makeup, you know, getting away from tap water, cleaning um, products needed to be replaced. So we did that. She was also drinking every day. And so that was something, not only is alcohol really inflammatory, um, there's a lot of, um, especially wine, there's a lot of additives in there that are toxic to the body. So we went ahead and pulled out alcohol. And then she really wasn't living a lifestyle that was helping her. And so you can do so many things to help your body, whether it's exercise and self-care. And so we started to add in these things. And of course, you don't go from zero to 100 in you know, one day. It was a slow progression, a slow transition, but we went in and got her to start exercising. Usually we'll start with people walking, walk daily, and then that usually goes, and then they start riding their bikes, and then they get into the gym, and it's really cool to see that progression. And then working on some of the self, you know, mental care, meditation, and doing things to calm the mind and really ease the body and stress. Those were the big things that we had to change. And then we found, um, you know, leaky gut. We found some low vitamin D, low iron. And, you know, the low iron, the low vitamin D, that really can come from 
these, you know, having a leaky gut, your body's not absorbing things well. And we had to go a little bit deeper and kind of figure out why, why there was a leaky gut. And then as Dr. V touched on, we did do genetic testing and found a good amount of methylation issues. So we got her on some methylfolate and methyl B12, which really allowed her to, you know, open those detox pathways. That's a huge piece of it. Um, it allowed her body to detox and, um, and then it, you know, made her healing process a lot better. And so, uh, you know, these are just some examples of, of things, you know, that many people struggle with, with their health that affect their immune function and, and how these people were able to actually, you know, work through it and get to the other side. And as you can see, you know, many of the case studies that we showed you today, these were fairly quick turnarounds. You know, this was like, you know, less than a year of work. A lot of times it was like three months. So one of them was one month. And so, you know, you can really, really see these changes that you can make for yourself. It's very important for us to learn and empower ourselves to understand that our body has the ability to heal itself. Our body can heal itself. We just have to understand how our bodies work um, and then we need to give our bodies what they need. And if we, you know, if we can do that, you know, then we can really, really change how our body responds to environmental factors and how our bodies respond to, uh, to even infections so that our bodies can become resilient and we don't just, you know, break down, and, you know, at every exposure to any type of infection or environmental toxins, so our bodies can become much more resilient. Definitely. I would say that it's, I, I think the three of us would agree that the body's amazing. We've seen things reverse and turn around that we never thought possible. Things that people had had since they were little. And, um, you know, the body is amazing. If you give it what it needs and you take out what it doesn't, you know, healing is really, you know, unlimited. It's absolutely amazing to watch. Absolutely. And you both make such a great point. And I, I want to add that, you know, for someone who is who hasn't started yet or who is hearing what we're saying today and saying, okay, you know what, I think I need to make some of these changes, you know, your mindset and having your mind in that right place is very important from the beginning because these changes are not something that you're gonna do for a month or two months and then, okay, I'm better, let me go back to how I was with all those bad habits. No, these are these are changes, lifestyle changes that you really have to make permanently. You have to find a way to accept that you're going to permanently overhaul what you eat or how much you exercise or how you manage your stress or how you approach your sleep. This is really something that you have to think about doing um, long term. And I think that's why a lot of people go really well for a little while and then they kind of fall off the wagon, so to speak, and they see a lot of their health issues come back. You know, you really have to have that mindset of I'm going to make these changes and they're going to be permanent. Exactly. Um, what did what did you all think today? Let us know what you thought of these case studies. We have a question we can get to if we want to answer this one. We were talking about leaky gut. Tori, you mentioned leaky gut. And Catherine's asking, how do you know when leaky gut is healed? That's a great question. I mean, you can test for it. You can look at zonulin levels if you want to get really scientific and see. And zonulin is, 
is, you know, you can see it on a GI map, and that basically is this protein that tells the gut to open up. So you can see zonulin will get very high if there's leaky gut. And then, you know, when the gut is healed, it will get very low again. But you can also go off of symptoms. You can go off of noticing how your symptoms have progressed. And, you know, you do have to remember that you have to go through a, a healing process. And, you know, you'll see these gut resets on the internet. Seven days to heal your gut or 10 days to heal your gut. And that is not a realistic healing time frame for healing the gut. You know, we all always tell you it's three months minimum to get rid of infections. And, you know, that's a range, but three months minimum. And then another three months of really using supplements and food to your advantage to heal the gut on the other end. And so, you know, once you've gone through the motions of that, you'll see your symptoms going away. The bloating will be better. The food allergies will be better. Your skin will be better. So once you've gone through the motions of it, you know, we recommend testing. You want to make sure you've cleared yourself of infections before you really dive into gut repair uh, or else, you know, it can just kind of all happen again. And then just listen to your body. It, it will usually tell you, um, you know, what's going on if you'll listen to it. Awesome. We've got another question here from Lauren and she's asking, well, let me see. So when taking binders for detox and nutrients, she knows that some binders are smart binders, but does the timing of taking supplements matter? And is there a way to optimize timing when taking supplements and binders? That's a great question. Um, so it really depends on the type of binder that you're taking. There are many different agents out there that can be used as binding agents. And depending on what it is that we're trying to bind may determine what type of binding agent that we're going to use. Um, but in general, you know, binding agents that contain like a zeolite or bentonite clays, for example, um, those you want to take away from food and supplements because it's, those are very much like, like a sponge. They're going to grab onto everything. They're going to bind onto everything. And then that could leave you nutrient depleted. And so, um, and if you take them with your supplements, that could bind onto the supplements, not allowing the supplements to do their work. Um, now there are other types of binders like uh, humic and fulvic acids can be used as binders. Uh, uh, apple, apple pectin, uh, you know, citrus pectin can be used as binders, as, as binding agents. Um, chlorella, you know, is really great for heavy metals. Stuff like that, you don't necessarily have to take it away from food and supplements. Those types of things you can actually take, you know, with food um, or your supplements, and it's not going to cause a problem. And as far as, you know, like optimizing the timing, well, you know, you just kind of have to figure out what's going to work for you. Um, you know, if you're taking a type of binder that you, you know, where you really want to separate it from your food or supplements. Um, you know, some people, if they're only eating like maybe twice a day, uh, you know, like me, I typically don't eat till around midday. So I'm, I, I kind of fast, you know, from the, from, from the time I, you know, after I have dinner until the next day, and then I'll eat around midday. So it would be really easy for me to take that type of a binding agent um, apart from food. Like I could just take it in the morning and it's not going to interfere. I don't have to time it, you know, 30 minutes from my food or an hour from my food. So, I mean, really that's kind of hard to say. That would be something that you just kind of want to like look at your eating schedule and your supplement schedule and you would have to figure out like, you know, what would actually work best for you. 
Wonderful. A, a great question here from Laura. She said she asked her doctor to check for metal, metal toxins, and the results of the blood work were arsenic less than 10, lead less than 2, and mercury less than 2.5. Although they're all within normal range, this is still concerning to her. Is a goal of zero realistic? That's a really, really great question. So the different labs will have different units of measurement. And so when you throw those numbers out, I'm not sure exactly where that lies in the range um, because it just depends on what test we're looking at. But let's just say, for example, let's say that with the lead or the mercury, let's say that it was, um, you know, it's showing within normal, but how close to the range of out of normal is it showing? How close to the range is it showing? You know, and, and for us to know if, you know, if a two or a 2.5 on mercury is gonna affect you versus somebody else. Well, you know what, humans, the human body is very complicated. Um, you know, that depends on how resilient is your body. Like how many other things do you have going on? Do you have, you know, is your blood sugar out of control? Uh, do you have massive inflammation in your body, uh, which is causing leaky brain and allowing that, you know, mercury to just go right through the blood brain barrier and start hanging out in your brain, you know, versus somebody else who, you know, doesn't have a lot of, you know, they don't have inflammation. They're not having any type of autoimmune issue. Um, they don't have leaky gut issues, but yet they've got that same amount in their body, but it's not crossing the blood brain barrier. So, you know, they're not going to notice the same symptoms as you, you know, so like that's very, very relative, you know, um, because like Dr. Tori and I could be exposed to the same, you know, uh, uh, you know, room or the same house that has mold and you know she may have a much bigger response to that mold exposure than i would in fact she and i have actually had that experience when we went to a seminar where we ended up in a in a room that very clearly had mold and i was having you know the kind of drainage in my throat and i was like what is going on and she was having a much bigger response and it's not because she's unhealthy she's very healthy but um, she has Lyme disease and, um, and so her body will react a lot, you know, she'll have a much bigger response if any toxins are coming her way, but she notices it, right? Like, you know, she notices it. So, you know, it, it really, really depends. Um, but to, you know, to expect that you're never going to have any toxins in your environment at all, um, that's a, that's a, that's a big expectation, right? I think that there are a lot of things that you can do to minimize, um, you know, especially with things like, you know, if you're looking at mercury and arsenic and lead, those are things that you can eliminate that out of your, you, I mean, out of your environment, use a water filter, you know, use a good one. A Brita is not a good water filter. You know, you want to do something that's going to give you like a reverse osmosis type, you know, of a system. You can use a Berkey to make sure that you're not getting it in your water because arsenic is very, very common and it's very commonly found in water, but so is uh, mercury and lead actually. And I have an article about that, you know, on our website page and our blogs, if you want to read about that. Um, it's all over the United States where these types of, you know, contaminants are way higher than they should be. And, 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 you know, all over the country. And I actually have a list of the different states that have the worst, the worst ratings with their, with their water. Wonderful. This, this question is a great question. How do you take iron and zinc and does one cancel the other out? 
Yes, yes they do. Iron is one supplement that cannot be mixed with other supplements for full binding or full you know, absorption capacity. The only supplement that can actually enhance absorption is liposomal vitamin C. And so vitamin C will enhance it, but if you're someone that is taking a multivitamin for the iron, you're not absorbing it well. So you wanna take your iron 30 minutes away from supplements, and there are certain foods that will actually inhibit the, the absorption of iron. So things like citrus really, really will lower the absorption rate. So you tend to want to take that guy by itself. Um, with some vitamin C is okay. Um, and I, I definitely would not take it with zinc. It would definitely bind or um, inhibit it. Another question here from, from Kimberly. Um, and I asked her to kind of specify a little bit, but she's asking, is there a danger to staying on some supplements too long? So she had some recommendations from a six month program she went through last year, and she's still taking some of the supplements and she's not sure if she should be. So I, I'm asking Kimberly, if you can kind of specify what supplements these are, but what's kind of a general rule of thumb for how you know if you should be continuing to take something or not? Well, that depends on the supplement. So let us know what supplements those are um, because some supplements are great to stay on. In fact, you probably would, you know, highly benefit from staying on them. And then there are other things that are only needed for a period of time, right? So um, has she mentioned? Yeah, so she says B12, a multi, adrenal support, and B6. So with the B vitamins, those should be fine. Your body will use uh, B vitamins. Actually, your body uses a lot of B vitamins for all kinds of different um, um, you know, chemical reactions to make your brain chemistry, to help you with detox pathways with your thyroid. I mean, just on and on and on. So the multi, the, the B12 and the B6, is that what you said? Uh, those, are, those are probably fine. You may follow up with your practitioner on the B6 because you know, if you were taking a higher level at that time, maybe you, know, maybe you needed it and maybe now you don't. And also if you're taking a really good multi, it probably has enough B6 in it that you don't need to continue on the B6. Um, the majority of Caucasians uh, you know, genetically need additional supplementation though of a methylated B12 and a methylated folate. Um, and so, and then the other one was adrenal support. Well, that depends on what kind of adrenal support it was. You know, if it's something that's like ashwagandha, uh, like an ashwagandha based or something like that, you can stay on that type of, of adrenal support, you know, as needed for long-term. Um, but if it has like a desiccated adrenal in it, that's something that we typically don't keep our, our clients on for more than three to four months, six months at the very, very most, because you could end up really, you know, burning out your adrenals if you stay on something like that for too long. And what about DHEA? She's adding DHEA to that list. DHEA is another great one. So yes, adrenal distress guard, that's fine. People can stay on that, you know, indefinitely. And we typically tell people, you know what, like, after a while, um, you know, try stopping it and see how you feel. And that's something really great to keep on your shelf. So if you suddenly are having a really stressful week, you know, or very stressful events going on, then you can just jump back on it and you always have it at the house. Like that's just a wonderful one because it's very calming to the adrenal. It's, you know, there's nothing uh, that's going to, you know, cause any long-term problems with adrenal distress guard. DHEA, that's something that you want to get tested on a regular basis. That's a hormone. 
So if you're taking DHEA and you're not getting tested on an annual basis, you know, go ahead and get tested on an annual basis, right? So that you can get your hormones checked along with your DHEA levels. Wonderful. I think we've gotten to all the questions, some really, really great, great questions from everyone. Yay. Thank you so much, everybody. We're super excited uh, to have you on. We love spending this hour with you and teaching you and empowering you and uh, just having this time. Awesome. Thank you so much. We will see everyone soon. Bye.